0: folks here we are again miss swift has released another re-recording brand new and we are here to discuss it i'm charlie and i'm Corey. and this week we'll be discussing the brand new um 1989 taylor's version uh already a huge hit it's already sold a million albums in just five days which is crazy
1: mind-blowing and she's doing it for the right reasons i love to see it it's just another feather in the cap of this whole Taylor's version triumph, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and the, this is looking to be the biggest one, so um, yeah, and uh, but not surprising because nineteen eighty nine is um such a well known album to begin with. <laughs> so
1: you know, I'll start it off here. It, a lot of this is new material to me as far as a listener like the the hits but was this her most like is this her most popular with with the swifties is this the one
0: with the this is not what i would say is the fan favorite because it's so popular got you but these are this is like the i think this is the album with the songs that people are going to think the general public is going to think of first when they think of taylor swift's songs
1: I'm I'm I totally agree I I mean this is the one where I won't say this is the first time that I saw Taylor Swift and was like okay but even not hearing the album you'd be I'd be crazy to say that I'd never heard some of these songs I mean the the, the hits on here are inescapable
0: yes they and, most and, and, yeah most certainly were, and um, this one is kind of in a way the most uh, for me. This is the album that's so. This album is very special to me because this is the one that made me a Taylor Swift fan to begin with. Um, I didn't really like her very much before that. Um, I really wasn't a fan during the Red Era just because I didn't care for all the songs I heard on the radio. And it just wasn't for me. I didn't connect with it like many other people did. But then um, this 1989 album came out and it was 2014. And um, I remember Shake It Off came as the lead single. I heard it. I was like, uh, okay, it's, I didn't think anything of it initially. I thought it was kind of annoying, if anything. But, um, Album gets released, and uh, a substitute teacher at my high school named Cristala, who um was the daughter of one of my teachers, uh, had said, "This is one of the best CDs I've ever heard." And like knowing you, you'll love it. I'm like, "Well, I don't really like Shake it Up." She's like, "No, see, I often skip that song on the CD because it's so out of place." I'm gonna burn you the CD, and so she did, <laughs> and um, I still have that burned CD.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, but um and I had because it was a burn CD, I had a hard time getting it onto my um, iTunes, so I just did buy the album on iTunes. And um yeah, this was my soundtrack to senior year of high school. I listened to this nonstop and um it was very special to me cuz it seemed to be an album everybody was listening to and people didn't just know the hits off of the radio. Like I loved talking to people about what their favorite songs were and people would tell me stuff like I really love Out of the Woods or All You Had to Do Was Stay, which they were brand new, not singles yet if they were to be singles. Like at that point, we only really had two songs in rotation on Top 40, but it was a cultural event and it did seem like 2015 was the year of Taylor Swift and uh I mean who knew she'd have another peak year like the one that she has this year so I think yeah, this I, is very full circle
1: I'm so glad to hear you say that you you had unexpected moments inside of this album because believe it or not this many years later that's pretty much my first thought going into this album not knowing it i was like oh man this is the shake it off album like i've loved what she's been doing lately but this shake it off was the reason why i wasn't listening to her or i didn't think twice to listen to her because it was i'll say it for me it was an annoying song on the radio it was an earwig of a song and for me it didn't really it was it was just exactly that you know there wasn't meat and potatoes to it in my opinion uh at, at that point and that's all i i knew of this album so going in i was like Ugh. and i whether good or bad was made it into these unexpected situations musically and 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 really throughout the whole album so that that was that was a unique thing it to hear that that's the way <laughs> you came across it back in the day as well
0: yes oh uh, that was exactly how it went and um but yeah this is actually um just based on the data that they have from since apple music has existed the original version of this is my most played album ever on my itunes or apple music
1: (laughs) that's awesome i love that
0: (laughs) So yeah, this is a very, this is a very special album to me, one I could not imagine my life without. And um, this was in many ways, I think the most anticipated re-recording because this was such a landmark album and its songs have continued to reverberate. And, you know, every, there was just a lot of speculation that like it would be coming for like close to two years. I remember Two years ago, a lot of people thought this would be the second re-recording after Fearless, and instead she gave us Red, Taylor's version, but which is a beautiful album as well. And then there were just more things, like people are like, it's coming soon, but then we got Midnight's, which was really threw us all threw us for a loop, but another perfect collection of Taylor Swift songs, so I'm so happy we have that. And then people were pretty clear it's going to be Speak Now next, but after that, there were so many Easter eggs people were picking up on, and sure enough, at the August 9th show of the Eras Tour in Los Angeles, with many blue dresses being worn, she announced 1989 Taylor's version.
1: Is this it? Is this the last one?
0: No, there are two more. Okay. Okay. To go. Which is crazy that we've gone so far in all this time
1: and, and I wasn't saying that like oh my gosh is this the last no, one No, I'm i trying to get in her head throughout this release process because yes. this seems like a crowning achievement album for her uh, from what I read and, and try to piece together about the time and then listening to it where that's why I was curious if it was the last one because I could see the reasoning behind holding this one back um which which two are left not that i i might not know
0: them but um the self-titled debut taylor swift and reputation okay. so now all she has to take back is her name and her reputation as they is what we're all is what Ooh. everyone's saying
1: oh that's a that's a cool so, thought but is that her first two
0: no okay um reputation was the one after this
1: got you okay so that's
0: cool and that's then- yeah, I'm excited to discuss that one when it comes out. That'll be an interesting one. But, um, however, Taylor did say in the lead up to this that this was her favorite re-recording she had done, and that the vault tracks were insane, and she couldn't be- and she loved them and couldn't believe they hadn't been released until now.
1: I'm I'm still at a loss. So these vault tracks are songs that are written when during or, or the- do we not? no
0: no they were written in 2013 to 2014 okay okay along with the rest of the songs that did make it onto the album okay wow okay yeah so yeah it is <laughs> is crazy in a way it's very interesting to um have seen them left off in some cases and uh it's very cool to see them now though at the very least and there's a lot to discuss with them
1: oh my and, gosh there's so much especially now knowing that and the way i'm getting ahead of myself antonoff man there's a lot to be said about him during these taylor versions uh
0: oh there, there well there has been so far um there are so far the reception to this and um, the critical reviews from official publications have been glowing this already has like a score of 90 on NATO critics I saw Um, some are saying it's her best yet. And um, there with the fans, there has been some people expressing some disappointment with some things where. So Uh, we'll, we'll get into that song. song. We're going to get into that. that. And um, there are others defending it. And um, I mean, I think there's a middle ground here. I definitely, my goal here is to have a nuanced conversation about this album. Unlike what you'll find on the rest of the internet with um yeah. people who act like um you know there's nothing wrong with the album nothing can be improved and taylor can do no wrong uh art is subjective and um we all you know we all connect to it in certain ways and uh, well we're gonna get into it i think with that being said
1: yeah it's wild with the hardcore fan base i mean whether it be i I'm a, I'm a star Wars fan. How about that one? You talk about a hardcore fan base or, or fish, you know, every fan base has, has their, uh, has their crazies. I'll say, I will say that. And maybe I'm I, one of them in a few of those fan bases, but I can see where, where that can happen here, especially um, with the the size of this fan base.
0: Oh yeah. There's, um, and I, I have some thoughts on all of it, but also this is our thoughts. So we're not going to give credence to too much, um nonsense
1: here. <laughs> I like it. Let's,
0: let's get we, it. <laughs> we, we need to have a discussion about the music itself. So let's do yeah. that. Yes. And with that being said, uh we got a lot to go through. Let's discuss 1989 Taylor's version. Yeah man. Now before we continue, I want to tell you all to please follow us wherever you are listening to us, whether that be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeart, we're on all of them leave us a nice review. That would be much appreciated. It helps us keep creating content for you. And also follow us on social media at turntables and Tea podcast on um, Facebook and Instagram and at turntables T on X, formerly known as Twitter. Yep. So our album begins with a song called Welcome to New York. Um, This one back in the day, it, so it was co-written and produced by uh, Ryan Tether, who... um was at the best known he is best known as the lead singer of One Republic so yes Apologize, Counting Stars those guys and I remember back in the day seeing that he was the producer on this and um, I remember hearing this song and thinking this is not what I expected from the One Republic guy this does not sound anything like that or even the pop ballads he had done for other artists Up to this point, this is not that at all. This is a really bright, simpy, 80s-influenced pop song. The concept of this is 80s-influenced pop. And um, the biggest change here, the simps are a bit more pronounced on this new re-recording. I've always really enjoyed this song. It's kind of gotten some flack as one of the lesser tracks on this album over the years, but I've always thought it was a very fun album opener, and uh, I just didn't get the hate for it. I really am hoping this one gets a reevaluation, and um, it makes sense because even recently in a uh, voice note posted the Tumblr, of all places, Taylor said this was a New York album, is how she saw it. So what better way to open than with Welcome to New York?
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't see a, a better way to open this album than than what we get here, especially, and I'm so glad we said it because it is this concept of these '80s inspired sounds. And for me, I and I also say this because I didn't say it in in our intro here. I, if you guys know me, I like to go meticulously, exp, especially when I have source material as far as music uh, on a re record. I go back and forth from the original to Taylor's version so much on this one because it was a lot more new sounds to me and I wanted to make sure that I knew exactly the source. I I didn't really get that they were more pronounced, but these simple synths inside of this song keep it going and I love them, man. The electric sound here, period, is really cool, really well done knowing what uh, Taylor was going for when she first recorded this as far as 80s inspired sounds I also love the feel of this message this welcoming uh almost I won't say childish um but just very open and very it's not necessarily the way we see people talk about New York so it's it's a really cool feel uh the message here I love this I really think this is a great way to open this album
0: yes and this was also pretty notable for her coming out in support of gay rights, boys and boys and girls and girls. Okay.
1: I see I didn't even I didn't even pick that up, but okay.
0: Yep. That hadn't been mentioned in one of her songs before. So this was that moment.
1: Heard that. How old is, is Taylor on this one?
0: 24.
1: Okay. Okay. That's what that's what I thought. Just making
0: sure. Yes, her first official pop album, even though we'd been moving in that direction with her, but Um, We're now going to move on to our next track, which uh, this one's one of the mega hits. It's Blank Space. This was originally um, written and produced by Taylor with Max Martin and Shellback, two of the biggest pop producers. They did not return for this re-recording, which um, uh, Max Martin has not been on any re-recording so far. I was surprised by the lack of shellback because he did return to produce the pop songs on Red Taylor's version, and he's credited on one song here, and so I was a little shocked by that. I thought, I kind of thought, well, if you did the ones on Red, I'm guessing he'll be back for 1989. Uh, Turns out that's not really the case. Um... And so the majority of these songs on these re-recorded albums have been produced by a Nashville person named Christopher Rowe, really well respected session session musician, but being Nashville, he's a country guy. so very natural choice to reproduce fearless or even speak now bit different with 1989 because it's a pop album and. Uh, I think this is a good recreation of the original overall. But one thing that can't be brought back is the time and place when she recorded it. And for me, the vocal delivery on this song really lost some of the bite that made it so special the first time around. And um, there are people out there who insist Taylor's version is automatically better than the original This is a case when that's not it, I'm afraid. Still a great song, but it was done perfectly the first time.
1: It is a great song. This was a new one to me. Um, Immediately, I...
0: You've never heard this song before?
1: Nah, this is one that I had never heard before. There's a lot. I mean, Shake It, not the the spoiler alert here. Shake It Off and Bad Blood is the only songs I've ever heard off this album.
0: I'm shocked. This was, was a number was awesome.
1: one hit for seven weeks. It, it was awesome. it was awesome to go through this album, but w- what really sang to me right off the bat on this one is I really love the way the lyrics bounce off this beat. Now going back to the meticulous back and forth, I, it is a it is a good recreation of it. I where you were going with the attack on her vocal, not not you were attacking her vocals the way the vocals were being attacked in the in. The way they were sung, the the presentation of her vocals, um, for me, I I equated that to her evolution as a singer. I could see, I could hear a little bit on this one that she was an older, more pronounced vocalist, and it was a little for me. I thought it was a little bit of the twang of the younger voice gone here, which which I enjoyed. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy the younger voice, but I, I felt like it was a tad bit more mature in its delivery here. I love the way this this song crescendos uh, throughout and it really bangs. I, I I jam with this. But as far as a recreation, it's not 100%. I didn't know about Roe as far as um his countryness. Um but I it makes it makes a little bit of sense here. I, I yeah. this is an awesome song. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this one, and this one was a really important song, I think, in her perception, because this was very much a satirical look at um, how the media presented her as this man hungry woman. She was, even in the prologue, she mentioned um, to this re recording, she reflected on how just casually dating, she was made out to be, she was slut shamed for casually dating like many people in their 20s do. And this was very much a play on that. But she even said there was pain behind this satire. But the fact that it was satirical, I think really made a lot of people look at her differently, myself included, because I saw like she had a sense of humor that I hadn't heard on any of her hits up to that point. And so I think this was a really important song in her evolution, and, I mean, it was a pop culture phenomenon. The video was huge on YouTube, and there was a very often misheard lyric of, of um, Starbucks lovers. I never heard her say that, but <laughs> a lot of people said that. So that's, this that's is wild. that song.
1: It's wild to think that this was her first pop album, and she was under that scrutiny. Do you think it was really a different arena now that she was a pop diva so to speak rather than just an up-and-coming I guess you could say country pop star you know or, or singer songwriter pop star you think there was an added level now that she was in this arena of divas I would is my ultimate question
0: I mean maybe I maybe there was a thought like will she pull it off yeah but this was very much and I Attack on the media and how they were portraying her. And that was going to happen regardless of what she was saying, genre-wise.
1: Well, no, I, that was really where I was going. Now that she's a pop diva, her love life and public life is much more under scrutiny in this new well, arena.
0: Well, in this, in a way, well, as she said in the prologue, I decided during this era, to instead focus on myself and hang out with my female friends, I didn't uh, think people could sexualize that, but they could and they would.
1: The media will do it all.
0: <laughs> no, they. There was a lot of scrutiny about Taylor Swift's squad and how they were all white, and there was rumors of her dating one of them because a lot of people are really want to know if she's bisexual or even gay, which I think is really weird. But I mean,
1: I I didn't know her, but I you know I'm enough of the of the media where that was like her and like Selena Gomez and like that whole clique, right? Yes. When they were rolling together, I I remember that. I remember seeing that yeah. in the media.
0: That was the thing instead of who she was dating during this era.
1: They were the mean girls. That's what I always thought when I saw like, oh look, at these mean girls in there, <laughs> you know. But they're all just really friends. You know, try. Well, they're not try, all you know? still
0: friends. Really. Well, I mean, I, but
1: at at that <laughs> at point, friend, friends inside of this huge media machine, anyway. So, you know, yeah, you got to have a crew. <laughs> yeah,
0: she um, yep, but she learned that, so that was what happened there. But we we are not really singing about that here. Heard. There are still songs about love and relationships, and um, one of those songs is our next track, Style. This was uh, another big hit for her. I'm not number one, but it was one that definitely got a lot of radio play and people really loved it. This was the most played song for me. I adore, I would say original version of this is my favorite Taylor song here. Uh, I think this song, it has it all. I think it's got a really epic storytelling element to it. Like, midnight you come and pick me up no headlights like we're just in this crazy scene and then it's got a killer chorus that you is an earwig as you said and i think it's just a perfect combination of these two elements and that put this pop album over the other pop albums of the day in my opinion so it's a very beloved song especially by me and this is the one song um re-recording-wise, this seems to have gotten the most criticism. A lot of people, some people have even said she ruined style. Um, now, one thing I will say, people, is maybe you need to change your settings on wherever you're listening to it. That made a big difference for me. Once I turned the Dolby Atmos off on my Apple Music, this song sounded um, much better, in my opinion. So I think that'll make a big difference in this for you i don't think it's as well produced as the original was and again there is the matured vocal i miss the old more dramatic one in this case and uh i she didn't ruin the song this is still a great song but i just don't think it's as well produced as it was the first time i don't think her vocals are even as well produced um i I think christopher rowe was a Bit out of his realm on this song because it's such a specific thing. I mean, this riff, that guitar riff, was written by uh Ali Payami, um who got a writing credit for it, and Max Martin, Shellback, and Taylor built the song around that. So this had another layer to it than the rest of the collaborations with these pop heads, I'll call them. And I think this just might have been a bridge too far. I'm sorry to join the thing of the naysayers and for those of you who don't like criticism of this version and say it's fine or better than the original we're all entitled to our opinion and i don't think it is
1: you're talking about that uh guitar riff that comes right off the start like right yes. o- over top of that bass beat that i equate to like a daft punk uh style guitar and i dig that that's a huge part of this song you really feel like that's uh a lot different than the original
0: i think it was in the certain setting got gotcha. you i think it's much closer to it for me honestly the biggest downfall of this is just the way the vocals are mixed
1: yeah i i had the same notes as i did on blank space where you can definitely hear a older i i like how you were saying the less dramatic and and you miss that but you can you can hear the age in her voice you can hear the different voice and that uh, is is a huge challenge i would have to think for her regardless going through this uh this is another one and and we're probably gonna think i'm crazy the whole way this one that was new to me so it was cool listen to it both ways this is this is a really neat song man you talk about that earwig refrain that little naked breakdown right before it is beautiful i mean to quote the song this is a never go out of style type of song in my opinion and on top of that it really the pacing so far on this album is so so spot on and it really starts to in my opinion really starts to shine here because you have this sense of where you are uh the concept is super strong at this at this point in my opinion on the album so i i I dig this song um I I can see where you're coming from. I definitely can, Um, but for me being the first time on this, I I love both versions. If I had to pick, nah, I I don't I don't even get to weigh in because it's new for me. So just listening back to that, you know, back to back to back, I didn't see too many. glaring differences but i will agree you can hear an older voice on this one
0: that that is very fair but um uh good news for some the next song is done with its original producer jack antonoff this was the first album they collaborated on together and um the first one we heard from them was a little song called out of the woods this was um this was the sixth single back in the day and by then it, really didn't do a lot because what were you gonna do with the song everybody knew it by then but uh, this was definitely the one that interested the media the most because uh it was pretty quickly picked up this song's definitely about her um relationship with harry styles from the red era um because they were in a snowmobile accident and there were 20 stitches in the hospital room that Happened on their vacation together. So it was very quickly the deuced, okay, this is about him. I have this song to me is pure paranoia and I love it. Yeah. And I always have. And usually I would take points off for a redundant chorus, but here it fits what we're doing so perfectly. And I've just always loved those. Oh, oh. I've um If anything, back then, I got sick of it after it because I played it too much because I couldn't stop listening to it. This has always been a wild track for me. Um, I will say, again, the vocals aren't quite as dramatic as they were the first time around, but um, just what a tune all around. I've always um, adored this song, and it really does show what somebody's going through when they're in a really intense situation, like the one depicted in this song but she was angrier at harry styles back then i guess than she is now so
1: yeah maybe this is just how this album's gonna go but i uh that maniacal refrain is so awesome man there's another one i call me crazy just this is another one that i i wasn't up to I hadn't heard before. Like I said, it's More acceptable
0: just, than not having her blank space.
1: Well, I, I mean, I'll I put it all out there. It was shake it off and "Bad blood. That, that's all I've ever heard. I shouldn't keep repeating myself. But this one is so cool. That maniacal refrain, it just adds anxiety. I love that you said that. It That are we safe yet out of it is, is so perfect. Um, for me, again, that vocal is a mature vocal, but my opinion here is it seemed as a first time listener that her voice is perfect now for the song that she wrote in 2014, where I think you hear that drama as a first time listener this time around, I hear more of a tiny, tiny bit of her reaching for this song. And I feel like now if she's not reaching on this song anymore, this is a very close to perfect song. Um, it's really really well done the heavy drums that anxiety based refrain this is a cool story and it's really told in this super awesome way um hats off to Antonoff on this one hats off to Swift just both really the composition and production period through this whole song it's very close to perfect in my opinion um and it's a solid pace still this this is a solid Excuse my language. This is a solid fucking album so far, and I'm I'm really blown away. Um, especially thinking for some reason again, I, I, not for some reason. I'm going back to that thought of all I knew was "Shake It Off" and "Bad Blood." Um, so this is who close to perfection. I'm sorry, I'm rambling on this, but it really is. I'm I'm super excited about this.
0: There was so much more than we a- anybody could have realized. I think. Sure. Um, and this one was one of the songs um, on the original target edition of this album. There were some voice memos for the creation of some of the songs. And this was one of them. And she said, basically Jack Antonoff sent her a track, a completed backing track. And she wrote lyrics to it.
1: I can see that here because oh, that's oh, so beautiful, man. I'm just going to keep repeating I was like, myself. I'm,
0: oh, I love it. I love it. But, um, Yes, Out of the Woods is great, but we have a lot more to go. So we're going to move on to that track five, the, uh, in many cases, emotional centerpiece of a T-Swizzle album. Um, This one is All You Had To Do Was Stay. Um, This one, I will say, uh, for a track five, it's kind of an oddity in the whole track five, thing, because after the two preceding albums where track fives were Dear John and all too well, these very long rambling stories, but appropriately dramatic. This is a under four-minute pop song. And I mean, it's a sad breakup tune, but it's very upbeat musically. Um, this one for me, originally, I would say this was one I skipped sometimes. Um, just because there were other songs that I liked so much more. I wanted to go back to like style and out of the woods, but a couple people told me this was their favorite song on the album back then. So, you know, it just, um, I don't think this is one of the top songs here, but I think we're at, this is such a solid album that on another release, this would be a high point because it's just very well constructed as a pop song it is a heartstring string tugger and i think it sounds good here too um it's a very solid taylor swift song for me it's not quite on that next echelon but i do like it
1: maybe it's the new swifty in me maybe it's just this music that i've never heard before and and i'm vibing on it this one without any spoilers was up there for a contender for my favorite song on this album I am in love with the way this composition handles the word stay all the way through. It is amazing. It is. Oh my gosh. It's top tier composition. I'll, i I have genius in my notes. I try, I feel like I say genius too much in our podcast genius composition here. I, I I'll let it out. Uh, I, I love the way it's handled and how the word is just, it drives the song. Oh my gosh. It's such the drama's here and I love it. I love these contrasting happy uh, to a story. That's not so happy. Um, I I love how we do that. Uh, We've seen that a lot lately in all types of the music that we've been going through, but here it's just, it's really, really, really well done. I, 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 I've been singing this one all week around the house. I, I jam on this song. It's really, really cool song.
0: It is indeed. It's another earring. This album's full of them. If you can already tell.
1: I mean, hats off to Antonov. I've been singing this. This isn't all week. an
0: Antonov song. No,
1: see, I, 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 no. I give this whole album almost to him. So is this back to row?
0: Yeah, this is back to row, and um, oh, hey. this one I think was very well done. This one I think was. Pre- was perfect i don't have any um n- like anything to take away from it It was originally a max martin song heard that but um that man with his 25 number one hits he's pretty in demand and uh <laughs> probably wasn't interested in coming back to re-record songs he'd already done before
1: <laughs> well hats off the row on this one because this fit no perfect. this
0: one uh very job well done here press Very, very well done. So, yeah, good stuff. And now we are on to uh, one of the two songs you knew. And um, the somewhat misleading lead single back in the day, Shake It Off. um, Which, yeah, it is a bit oddly placed here at track number six. And usually a lead single is usually like towards the front of the album, but not here. Um, This song, yeah, it was inescapable. It was on all the time. Um, it grew on me back then. I ended up finding myself really enjoying it. Uh, my biggest critique of it was I don't think it's very 80s sounding. I always felt this was very of its time 2014. Um, more than other tracks here. The 80s influence just, other than maybe the cheerleader chant bridge, that's maybe a bit Mickey reminiscent, but other than that, I don't hear it. Um, But it's a really good, like, let your hair down, feel good song. You don't have to think too much when this comes on. It's not a song I seek out often because it's been so ubiquitous over the years. But I enjoy it when I hear it. Um, This was one where I did hear some complaints on this one about the vocals. They don't really bother me much on this one but probably because it's more of that carefree kind of song than something like style was doesn't bother me here.
1: Yeah. Her attention to detail on the vocals is crazy though, man. This is one of the ones that I was, especially because I had heard it before that I was back and forth like, all right, what's different. Let's see where, where the differences are. And I mean, down to the chuckle and the whole nine, she's really, her attention to detail is, is stellar. Um, This, in the album, it's it's weird, man. The first time hearing it inside of this album, it doesn't necessarily take me out of... Actually, it doesn't take me out of the album. And you know what? Maybe the Mickey is the silver lining playbook for this one as far as how it fits in the 80s. I guess my only grief is that it doesn't. It doesn't fit in this 80s vibe. It contrasts the album well. It ends up where I thought this was an annoying... Pop song when I first heard it back in the day. I'm not, it, it's, it's a, it is what it is. It's an anthem, it's an earwig, it's a cool pop song. But the way it contrasts this album, in my opinion, it's a little bit of fresh air. Like you, like you said, uh, let your hair down, relax song. And that's, that's the only way it makes sense to me inside here, other than conspiracy me saying this is the machine not knowing if she was going to make it as a pop star doing a pop album so they cut a straight up like they were like oh there's a pop one we love that one you did we're gonna put this out as a single and put it on an album where hopefully she her row Antonoff the whole nine got to really do what they wanted that's the way it sounds to me um, well, this was
0: it, another Max Martin song.
1: Okay. Uh, M- Martin <laughs> as well. So, but I'm saying regardless, the machine pushing out a pop song is the conspiracy. I, me, I, I don't
0: song. think so. Cause there had already been pop singles with Max Martin at this point,
1: but I'm saying that with Taylor Swift, you know?
0: Yes, there had been with Taylor yeah. Swift. Okay. Yeah. They All did. Right. I knew you were trouble and we are never, ever getting back oh, together.
1: Never, ever. Uh,
0: um, there were, Wait. I mean, there was doubt about this album internally, but I mean, I don't think there was much doubt that there would at least be some attention to it, because Red certainly had big pop hits on it.
1: Well, that makes me happy. And then it's a nice breath of fresh air here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because we, we are back to more high stakes stuff with our track number seven. This was the second originally produced by Antonoff track. Um, I wish you would. This was a, a very under the radar song, kind of on the album, but I always really loved it just because of how '80s sounding it was. It really, uh, more than many of the songs on the album, I think, really captured that vibe. And um, it's not as epic as "Out of the Woods," but I, it definitely still manages to take you on that emotional roller coaster, and I think it all syncs up very well. I think this is one of her most underrated songs, period. Um, And like some people say, it's one of the weaker songs on the album. No, it's really not. It's a banger. What are you talking about? 2 a.m. I'll be up listening to I Wish You What. This is a fantastic song. And um I really hope it gets more of an evaluation now with this re-recording. Definitely do for one.
1: Yeah, no way it's a weak song on this album. And in fact, you know, I'm an outsider, a new Swifty. I'll say that it stands stronger because of its placement in this album. For me, this is the glue in between the song that came before and the song that comes after it that really makes this album not fall off track so to speak inside of compositions there's a build-up back to the original thought inside of this added level of composition inside of this banger and it sits in between maybe hot tea take but in my opinion the two poppiest songs on the album that might not fit this 80s concept so i i think this is this is an anchor for the album uh so far away in my opinion from a a weak track or the weaker track on the album this is a it's a good song
0: yes agreed complete total banger i loved it then i love it now yeah but now we are on to that um very poppy song which is bad blood um so this one I actually, even though I wasn't really following Taylor Swift, I remember hearing this song before 1989 was released, in tw- about this song before 1989 was released in 2014, because um, Taylor Swift made some headlines for saying, I have a new song on this album called Bad Blood, and it's about a issue I had with another female artist who went out of their way to sabotage me. And uh, that did get people talking and people pretty quickly deduced that said female artist was Katy Perry because a few of the dancers from Taylor's Red Tour ended up abandoning that tour to go on Katy Perry's Prismatic World Tour. Oh, really? Yes. So that's yeah. um, that's the drama there. And hmm. at the time I thought, okay, this is kind of silly. And also I went to the Prismatic World Tour and it was quite a show. I was like, yeah, they're going to go to the Katy Perry show. That's a wild show. <laughs> like, it was a wild show because that's what um she was doing. And so I was like, "This, is, that's so stupid to write a song about this woman so petty. And then, of course, I heard the song and I loved it. it. It's an earwig. Um, And, you know, that petty part of me just can relate to this, you know? Like, yep, now we got problems. I don't think we can solve them. <laughs> and... Uh, all that good stuff. Um, but this was uh, definitely an example of, I liked the song before it became a hit because when it was did go to, it became a number one hit because of a remix with Kendrick Lamar. And I didn't like it as much and not because of Kendrick Lamar. I just felt like it was really overproduced and clunky and then overplayed. And so I was pretty over bad blood after that. Um, I did ha- it did have a bit of a renaissance for me this year at the Eras Tour because I did get to witness the most viral performance of it where Taylor yelled at a security guard in the middle of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It's it, it's that song that'll get you pissed regardless. That little pettiness comes out. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. The petty spot in me digs it. But that speaks to me, in my opinion, to her prowess as a storyteller, whether it's talking shit or telling you how she feels throughout her love life and throughout her life period she always does a great job uh being a poppier song on the album it doesn't take away from her ability to take us through these stories um that it for me as far as on the album it hits a little bit softer than i feel like where we should be inside of this album uh again it doesn't take me away but I give kudos to I wish you would before this for keeping um me on this pace, on this listening pace here. It's not a throwaway, it's not my favorite on the album. Um, but it's not a you know, it's not a terrible song. It's it's just a little bit for me, in my opinion, hot tea take. It's a little bit less than the rest of this
0: album. I mean, that's a very fair point. Uh this is such a loaded album and i think a perfect example of this being a loaded album is the next track wildest dreams um this got some attention as this was um taylor swift's first ever song about sex on an album it's sung <laughs> about in a very classy way but yes it's a song about sex um i was pretty obsessed with this the minute i heard it i just felt like what a dreamy song that's the point of it but it really did take you to another place and uh i always just really got swept up in this song um back then a lot of people compared it to lana del rey i wasn't that familiar with her at the time but that's a good person to be taking notes from and uh i'm glad she did it here um Always loved this song. Again, I was a bit over it by the time that it became a single because of the fact that I played it too many times. But uh, this um, re-recording, we actually got this two years before the album because it was used in a movie trailer. Hmm. So this was released as a standalone single well before all of this. And uh Shellback did come back to produce this one. And I felt like it was a very good recreation. I felt like I love both versions i didn't feel like anything was lost in this and thank goodness for that because again it was done perfectly the first time but it was also done perfectly the second time and so i'll always remember this song and uh seen it in hindsight tangled up all night burning it down i'll always be there for wildest dreams i love it yeah man
1: lana del rey i can see that here this song just like you said has this beautiful dreamlike quality uh i love the way this song is handled in its composition again this this composition for me almost feels like it's not going to get off the ground and that's why i feel like it sweeps you up like you were saying and it has this dreamlike quality because it takes its time and it kills it and it is it's just a really well done song uh this this is right back to where i want this album to be first time listen through and it stands strong on its own but the way this takes that story and matches it with composition is it's stellar man
0: most definitely most and there's really not much more to say about a song like that because it's perfect to me (laughs) 10 out of 10 here um but speaking of 10s, we're on the track number 10, which is How You Get the Girl. I'm guessing this is a a song Travis Kelsey listened to a few times before courting Taylor Swift. I think this uh, that was probably a smart thing for him to do. Um, Yeah, this one, uh, this was definitely like, back then, I always thought this was the girliest song on the album, my 17-year-old thought, self-thought. um but uh, I always have loved it. Um, I do remember seeing it compared a bit more to the prior albums before, like it was a bit more speak now or read than the rest of the songs here. I don't think it's necessarily the most 80s sounding song here, but I do think that it, again, this is just one of those songs that tells a really beautiful story and it's dramatic. It's like, this is how you get the girl you... I want you for worse or for better and all of that. And the end of this song gets me every time for her to say, that's how it works. That's how you got the girl. Every time gets me. So it's like, okay, this seems like a instruction manual on this, but it's actually a breakup song. Like, wow. Always have loved that.
1: Yeah, this... I want to love this song more because of the story that's inside here. I love it. I love it. As far as composition goes, I have to say this is very close to the weakest on the album for me as far as composition um, musically. It's a little naked. And this is the first time that, especially first time listen, but this is the first time in the album listening through where I have this start of the feeling that there's a repetitiveness of musicality or more so music music more so musically things that we've seen before and experienced a bunch already on this album and it doesn't do it as well composition wise story stellar uh like i said that's why i want to like the song more maybe i will going forward and listening to it more but this one falls flat for me uh as far as as its composition goes
0: okay (laughs) i don't think it really sounds like another song on the album actually no no not not to me just has a different vibe to it i guess for me
1: yeah um, story stellar i just couldn't i want to love it more
0: well maybe you should check out the piano only version she did as a surprise song that was actually pretty chilling the list i was like damn this sounds good just on the piano just her wow
1: well i definitely will that was
0: i don't remember what date she played that wasn't the first song i would have imagined played on a piano i was like damn that sounds good (laughs) when i saw the video
1: that just Um, started to give me the fish tape vibes like what date was that are there are there uh, not to get too far off are there People out there recording shows and and doing uh, there's like... a
0: lot of live streams people do. Of it. I love that's it. That's the man. I love new <laughs> equivalent, but there, there's a concert movie, so that's the ultimate <laughs> archive, and it's not <laughs> a crappy live stream. So I'd go. much rather revisit that, but um, even if it cut a few songs. But uh, speaking of the Eras tour, the next song on the album was actually my surprise song on the piano at the show I went to, This Love. uh, It wasn't my first choice for a surprise song, but I wasn't expecting my first choice because I saw she already did it. But I was really happy to get one from 1989 because it was my favorite album. So I'm like, she did a surprise song from my favorite album. I was very happy about that. Um, This is her only entirely self-written song on the album. Um... I always thought this was a pretty song. It was kind of one I'd skip sometimes because it was so much more mellow than a lot of the other songs on the album. I felt it was a bit of an odd fit. Um, I mean, it was fine, though, but it was the one I skipped the most often. But this is the other one that was released uh, as a standalone single, this re-recording over a year before we got this release because it was featured in the Amazon Prime show The Summer I Turned Pretty which I haven't seen, but it's made quite a bit of use of Taylor Swift's music and these re-recordings. And I was just really amazed at how it sounded. This was the one I was like, this song sounds better than it did in 2014 when it was produced by Nathan Chapman, her OG producer. Uh, I was like, okay, Christopher Rowe, you... I, I may have your nit, my nitpicks with him about Blank Space and Style. Not this. This is absolutely stunning production-wise, and it just elevates the lyrics in another way for me. Um, I really do love that bridge, too. I mean, Your Kiss My Cheek. Oh, this song, um, biggest upgrade for me for this whole thing, even though I'm used to it already because we've had it for a bit. I was really happy with how this song turned out. And uh, it was a beautiful song to hear on the piano as well.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear that one too. This is a bring it down, bring the mood down, but still fit inside jam. And it is a gosh darn beautiful love song. This is a really, really beautiful song. I'm right with you on the refrain. This This is up there. This is one of my faves on the album
0: really is a stunning song especially today yeah man yeah this love is good all the way now no this love is bad when it comes to this tune (laughs) (laughs) um and uh we are going to make it a bit more upbeat but we're not going to go back to where we were we are going to keep it going in the more mellow thing with our second ryan tether song i know places um this was definitely, uh, pretty quickly interpreted, like, this is definitely about, like, the paparazzi following her and her relationships. But what a beautiful way to write a song like that. This is no piece-of-me-style kiss-off. This is, like, I know places we can hide. Um, I've always really dug this tune. Like, I just love that looped... Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I always loved that. And I just always thought it was... Just that attention to detail in the lyrics that marks so many of her best songs. This is another song I consider to be pretty underrated in the grand scheme of Taylor Swift songs. This is a bit more Ryan Tether-like that I would expect, considering he's the guy who produced Beyonce's Halo. This is definitely closer to that than Welcome to New York was, but it does also have a sound of its own. And... Uh, I love that piano line and just what a great sing along course I know places we can hide I remember my freshman year of college the guys who lived next to me we all shared a bathroom I remember hearing them play this song I was like yes they like I know places so do I because it's such a great song.
1: Yeah, man, it is this is a great song. It, um, it's not my favorite of hers vocally on the album, but it, it's really well put together. Stories told, it does have its own sound. Hot tea take for me on this one is I wish this one fit the album better as far as the 80s cohesiveness. Um, but that's that's a hot tea take nitpick right there. So it is a it's a really well told story. I just wish it it fit a little bit better as far as cohesively on the album.
0: I mean, at this point in the album, I um, at least for the uh, original standard edition, I think the 80s theme is kind of missing at this point in time. I've never considered this a concept album because it's, it's a pretty loose concept to begin with, 80s influence pop, and not Art. every song fits it, but you know what, when a song is good, a song is good regardless of what it sounds like, and I don't think there's a, many better examples of that than the original closing track of the Standard Edition, which is Clean. Um, This song was written and produced with Emojin Heap, though Emojin Heap really actually said she really wrote the song herself. It was a, more of a technicality that I was on there. Um, This was always one of the more mellow songs, and beaten in high school, I did gravitate to the more up tempo songs, but I vi- I had a hard time skipping this too because I've always um again just the storytelling. This is about just moving on from a relationship and just kind of saying like that I was washed clean and um it's I've always just thought it was just that really beautiful song even if I didn't completely relate to it at seventeen or eighteen. I remember. One time at like a theater event, there was an improv game. I had to pick a word. I picked Rain because I was listening to this song earlier that day. I've just always thought it was a beautiful song. But being a young adult now, this song's resonated more about um, just, you know, if you feel intensely enough about somebody, it is like an addiction and it might not be healthy, but this song really exemplifies that and especially because it's from this other place like gone is any trace of you I think I am finally clean and especially that bridge it's 10 months sober I must admit just because you're clean you don't miss it um but I won't give in uh just such a beautiful song that I found solace in and this was uh, when I heard there would be a piano surprise song at all the era's tour shows, this was the one I really wanted at mine. I was really disappointed when she did it before my show. Uh, so I didn't get to hear it. I was a little mad. About, I got over it, but I was a little mad about I'm very jealous of anybody who got to hear her do this live because um, this is one of her very best songs, period, I think.
1: So... Th- i'm with you i'm with you i i didn't realize so this is the end of the original cut of the album this was the final track
0: yes this was the closer
1: it it's perfect in my notes i have think it would be better two songs down the line but i didn't realize that that was an extended cut um going into the next few tracks it's a great closer oh my gosh clean and washed away especially everything she's been laying down on this album so far. This is a really, really well done song. I'm ecstatic. I don't know if you can tell I'm ecstatic to hear that this was the album closer originally because it makes so much sense to me as that really final piece to put on this album. Uh, I dig this song a lot. I really do.
0: Yeah, I cannot think of a better even with all she's done since then this is still i think the best taylor swift album closer yeah for me always i can't imagine that ever changing cuz this song is amazing yeah, <laughs> um
1: she's such a great storyteller man i know yeah. but like just to have that as the ender we always talk about this this is something we talk about every single episode this closer is huge and sometimes you know we we talk about where it'll give you a hint of where they go musically but i love this fully encapsulating thought as a closer It really hats off hats off girl yeah
0: this was not a sign of where she would go musically no. after this either, but yeah
1: that, but i love um, it still the same
0: no it is a band amazing song that i can't imagine life without um thank you taylor for writing songs such as this one this is why we keep talking about you because of songs like this not because of travis kelsey because of this but um that was the closer for the standard edition of the album now initially there was a deluxe edition initially they were only target exclusive tracks but eventually you could buy them separately for purchase on digital platforms and for streaming um there were three of them and the first of those is wonderland yep it's based on alice in wonderland um and uh i i always um i didn't listen to this one as much because it wasn't initially on that the whole thing um i always liked it but i definitely could see why it was a bonus track just in the grand scheme of 1989 as we have it um and it is like it's just a bit more of a I don't know a younger thing like we have these more evolved songs like Clean to be singing about Alice in Wonderland it is a kid's tale but it's still a very neat song Um, and I think it sounds fantastic here even though it was uh, another Martin song I think Christopher Rowe really did a great job on this song and I think her um, evolved vocals actually suit this song better because of the fact that she's seen and done more and knows more about like disillusionment so it hits harder when she sings like we found wonderland you and i got lost in it um so yeah this is another one i think it got an upgrade i really enjoy this a lot
1: yeah it's strong uh, not knowing that clean was the end and these were the extras on a first time listen i i can see it now you know i'm trying to put it together as we talk i love the start of i love the intro into this song i love this song it's super strong with a minimalistic composition and i think that's why it sings so well in my opinion this one has a more cohesive place inside of the 80s uh feel as well uh on that and that's a, a, a bit of where my notes were on this at being track 14 in this full album, but it's a standalone, a great song. Uh, really, really well done. It's cool to hear that this was an extra. It makes sense, um, but still really cool. Well done song.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And uh, our next bonus track is uh, another song that I can see why, because it uh, was a bonus track because it is, bit of an outlier in terms of the album this is a you are in love this was another jack antonoff song one of the first that they did together and um i mean i i always thought this was a pretty song but i was like yeah it's definitely not on the album. it doesn't fit in, especially with the other jack antonoff songs here it's so much more mellow and wistful um but these two artists have worked together so much since 1989 originally i think this new version is again an improvement on the original and um i think this song is going to get a chance to shine like it quite couldn't quite before just being initially the target bonus track uh, it's kind of hard to get out of that when you're in that and i also what i like about this version i think the 80s influence is more pronounced here than it was the first time around okay and uh, that works for this 1989 album so
1: yeah again thinking this was the penultimate track here i really liked how you could feel a build up towards an end it had that penultimate feeling as far as composition for me um there's a tiny bit i'm a nitpicking on this but there's a tiny bit of musical pieces here that I feel like we've heard before in the album. It makes sense more to me now, knowing this was an extra track um, in no way a bad song. I'm. Living proof of it can shine more, not even knowing it was a target bonus track and and having it here, I think it it really fits uh, and is a a great build up to what I thought was the end of the album.
0: Yeah, Yeah so but well with that deluxe edition this was the album closer if you had that and that is new romantics so uh title itself is very 80s because that's a term uh given the many new wave bands of that time like your soft cells and duran durans um uh and it's always been uh, it's a very 80s influence track and it has a real anthemic feel to it and this is one uh it was very well regarded initially. It's like, how is this just a bonus track? This song is a banger. And that's a very valid point. It's just that, again, that anthemic feel like where the new romantics come along with me. This is our national anthem. Like, honestly, this is a better anthem than shake it off. Even to me, I, to me, it is. And it fits this 1989 sound much better than that one. Um, And it was actually a single because it was such a well-regarded song. It didn't chart that high because I think it was just so late in the album cycle by that point. But it's always been a beloved song. And there are people nitpicking about the "Ah, ah, ah-ah-ah backing vocals and how they don't sound as good. I'm not bothered by it personally. I think the song sounds fine and it's still an anthem and the banger
1: a banger banger i can't believe this is a target exclusive track how did this not make the album cut is crazy to me in my notes of i I love not knowing this stuff and listening but in my notes i have how is this not a hit single i mean you want to talk about and i know i'm driving it home here and and maybe too much and maybe that's a little bit of the not knowing but this 80s concept which I'm looking at throughout this this is the stick in the landing ender is where I was thinking for this album and it kills it 80s style the drums I mean this is a let it all out anthem and it's one can't believe it's a a target track two can't believe it's not really the ending to this album (laughs) and three can't believe that it's not just this giant hit for her that again i'm with you on the shake it off if this was stuck up in shake it off i feel like it could have changed the the course of 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 taylor as we know her as far as if that's the one that bangs through i don't know if i'm like man that's an annoying anthem you know what i'm saying uh so anyway long story short great song (laughs) really really cool song
0: yes most definitely and um it's been a wild ride so far with these 16 songs, but now we are on to these um, heavily anticipated vault tracks that Taylor said were her favorite of all of her vault tracks. So that that's kind of, it's a high mark. These vault tracks have not been throwaways. We saw that here with um, Speak Now. Uh, those vault tracks were not throwaway songs. And um, even before that, we saw that, especially with Red. Heck, one of those vault tracks was a number one hit before might be happening again very soon so um with one of these songs um so I I just love that with each of these albums we get like a mini EP of new songs yeah that's the most fun one and I have to say personally I was really excited for these vault songs because I'm like yeah this is my favorite album it's the one that made me a fan I'm really curious to hear what else she came up with during the sessions for this album because I love what we got so much and um was it turns out mostly more work with jack antonoff but from this 1989 song the first of those songs is slut which has an exclamation point at the end and is in quotation marks and um there was a voice note posted the tumblr recently i haven't i didn't even know people still use tumblr that's so high school to me but um And she said this song was inspired by the same thing as Blank Space. It was them making her out to be somebody who slept around just because she casually dated. And um, she had to make a choice for the album to choose between this song and Blank Space. And, I mean, yeah, history proved itself there by her choosing Blank Space, which is one of her signature hits, (laughs) even though you didn't know it, I... (laughs) shocked by that but okay um but uh this one based on the title I was expecting like a very spunky kind of song and that's not what this is this is a heartbreaker I mean for her to say like if they call me a slut it might be worth it for once it's like oh my goodness you're you just want a relationship and you'll take the scrutiny and be called this name that so many find degrading like there's a great meme of this song already. It's a um, SpongeBob's Patrick Star, like what I thought "slut" would sound like. Patrick Star and fishnets, what it is, Patrick Star crying. <laughs> that's that's it. This is a um, tearjerker, and it was written with Jack Antonoff and um, Patrick Berger. And it's looking like it's being released as a single to an extent. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, I'm wondering if they changed course. If someone wants to clarify that for me, that would be great. Um, it It's definitely, it's a very touching and heart string tugging song. Um, and I like it for what it is. I will say just out of these songs, that is my least favorite of these vault tracks. I think we've got better coming up, but uh, it is interesting to, like, just see where we were going. It's a very different take on the um, same idea that inspired Blank Space. And I think it's neat to hear that flip side.
1: Yeah, it's neat to get in her head and see how she can tell that story two different ways. I. It sucks that she had to choose I think she made the right choice. I do really like we were talking about this before we started, but I really like the way she tells the story here, this proudness of love no matter what. She does a cool job. Um it it matches musically as far as as the style it, it should be there. Um I'm with you. It sort sort of falls flat almost. It's it almost never hits its its peak for me um musically but i really like the way she told her story here it's so cool to see these these different ways uh especially from an artist of her caliber
0: yes yes it is and now um we have our next vault track this one i was speculating a bit about last week um say don't go this song was co-written with diane Warren. uh somebody who came up a lot on my share podcast and uh In general, really, uh, many of the biggest movie soundtrack ballad hits of the 1990s, written by her. This is the lady who bought us How Do I Live and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. So I was, yeah, that's Diane Warren. So um, a very accomplished songwriter. And she did write some 80s hits, but I was, when the credits came out, like the day before the album's release, I was like, wait, Diane Warren? is writing a song with wrote a song with Taylor Swift during the 1989 era. I mean, I was thinking like, I wonder if it samples or interpolates a previous song because um it just seemed like an odd combo to me. They weren't two people I put together and Diane Warren pretty rarely has collaborated with artists um and writing their songs. The only one I can think of off the top of my head that she did that with was mariah carey but again a bit more of a natural fit for that big sweeping ballad than taylor swift so now we have um say don't go and funny enough diane Warren was interviewed by people magazine and said she found out that this song was being released at the same time as everyone else they recorded it as a demo on new year's day of 2014 and she wasn't sure what would happen with it but she's happy that it's seen the light of day and uh so am i this did not disappoint this is not a sample of any kind this is all original um it's a anthemic heartbreak ballad and just oh it hits you but i'm obsessed with this this is definitely my favorite vault track i keep going back to it like why'd you have to walk away leave me bleed and bleed i'm like oh man i love it these are two great songwriters in very different ways and they collaborated to create a really beautiful song that i really hope becomes a single i want to hear this on the radio i love this song i don't have too much else to say about it other than just go listen to it you're missing out if you haven't
1: so you're saying you don't like this song? <laughs> no, yeah. there there really isn't much else to say uh, that you haven't touched on because you you really feel the same way I do. I love this. I love this. It all it has a very anthemic feel to me. I I love the composition here. My favorite part of this composition is these drums, and throughout feel. To me like falling down or things falling apart and it really adds this extra level to this composition it's it's wild to see the caliber of songs especially here and this this and another one are are my two favorite vaults but uh it's just it's cool to see the caliber of music that doesn't see the light of day like what these artists are doing and and i'm so glad i'm so glad we got to see this one
0: yeah I kind of can't believe it was left off the first place just because it's with such a number one hit writing person.
1: (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I'm very intrigued why. Yeah, I
0: I am too. I actually, I feel like this kind of fits that. I mean, not that nothing against all you had to do was say, I feel like this kind of fits that sweeping epic track five, like Dear John kind of thing. Better than anything else here. This is that song. I'm really confused by this. Um, Yeah. But I'm really glad that we've gotten it now. I heard that. So thank you, Taylor, for bringing this to us now. Um, But we we have more to go, believe it or not. So that next one, the next is, um, now that we don't talk, she posted a voice note about this one to Tumblr as well. And she said that um this was one of the last songs written for the album um she said this was one of the last songs they wrote for 1989 and because of that it was pretty late in the process so it just didn't make it on because things had moved too far along by that point um and this is now officially the shortest song in her discography it is only two minutes and 24 seconds and she said it's a really short song but i feel like it packs a punch um I have to agree. I mean, in this little song, we hear her sing. I don't have to pretend. I, I don't, we get to hear her sing. I don't have to pretend. I like acid rock. <laughs> and uh, i mean, be just that line alone. Um, I think I know who she was singing about, uh, Mr. Styles. Cause we, we know he listens to acid rock. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think it was, but, uh, it's a fun song, but, um, I do feel like it ends kind of abruptly. And I just wish there was a bit more to it. It feels a bit unfinished in that regard. But I still think it packs a punch. I really like what we got here. And it's I'm kind of getting used to that abrupt end. I felt the same way about Midnight Rain on Midnight's. And now I love that song. So I think it's just something I got to get used to a bit.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, knowing that this is the shortest inner interdis- her discography was cool to find out reading that. But before I knew that my notes have loved the short thought. I think this is fully realized. I really, I, I love that. She says, you know, it packs a punch, but this is something that we see quite often are these shorter songs, not necessarily from her, just, you know, going through albums. We see these shorter songs and sometimes they aren't these full thoughts. Sometimes they are these almost throwaway tracks. Not so in this case, we're under three minutes and it, it. I think it's fully realized. I, maybe I'm the only one, I don't know if, if this is across the board, but she does a falsetto in here that I <laughs> i am in love with, man. I, I love her vocals in this. So super cool track.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, got another, um, under free minute track with our next song, which is Suburban Legends. Uh this one actually seems to be the least popular of the Vault songs. Um and a lot of people are saying it sounds more midnights than 1989. There's people who think that of all these tracks, I don't really agree because there are those more mellow songs on 1989 and also Antonov produced it. Yeah it might, but is that a bad thing? No, I don't think so. But um yeah, this one it has a lot going on. It's even been called a sister track to mastermind on Midnight's. Um, I just, I have to wonder like, what is this about? It has a very heavy synth sound to it. But, oh, these lyrics are off the off the chain. I mean, I broke my own heart because you were too polite to do it. Like, what that lyric she put out for us all ahead of the album, I was like, okay what song is this part of and it's this one um and like you'll kiss me in a way that's gonna screw me up forever there is so much going on um, just in the story of this song uh and i really like just that high school vintage motif of it i think it works really well um i do wonder who it's about just because it's such a vivid tune really wondering what inspired this one uh it's a really cool title and a cool song to match it, in my opinion.
1: Most most definitely cool song. Most definitely a great one to match. Uh this one for me, this is a sister track in composition. And in its fast-paced thought process to uh Out of the Woods. It really has this, this swirling thought process inside of the composition. Uh the it. it like you said, it really matches the subject. And the composition has this syncopated Sith in the background that just pushes it. It starts and it, it never stops stops. It really swirls, uh, is, is the best way I can put it. And I and you know, I find that if you're thinking of of an old lover, of a love lost, or just old memories per se, it really sticks the landing on making you feel that I could see where this didn't get put on this album in my uh, in my opinion, because it is musically close to out of the woods, but this is a really cool song. I dig this. I wonder who she's singing about in this more so because they seem like kindred spirits the way, you know, we were both born to be suburban legends, to be national treasures. I, I, I wonder who this one is about, but I really love this story.
0: Yeah. But uh, I may be wondering who Suburban Legends is about, but people pretty quickly deduce who our final song is about. Um, Is it over now? Uh, This is the one that's gotten the most attention and for good reason. Um, On her Tumblr voice note about this track, Taylor said she thought of this as a sister song to Out of the Woods, and uh, I wish you would. Really? I there's definitely parallels between this and Out of the Woods. That is uh, that is for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, Harry Styles, uh, he, back in the day, he got the easy treatment in terms of the celebrity exes, really. Um, John Mayer did not. Jake Gyllenhaal did not. Not even Joe Jonas. They got pretty scathing tracks written about them. The angriest we got about Harry was Out of the Woods. Yeah. Um, but uh, lo and behold, this existed the whole time. <laughs> and w- I I am shook. Of, um, This is a very scathing breakup, tune. I mean, you search in every maiden's bed for something greater. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I can't stop listening to it. This is a very... It does have that 80s sound to it. And... Uh, just there's so much going on there. It's like there's so much to unpack. I just keep going back to it. I I mean there there is no bad blood between Taylor and Harry Styles these days, it appears. But uh Travis Kelsey, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might be getting um oh boy, <laughs> for her to drop this now. Uh, I I honestly might the conspiracy part of me wonders if she held this back. Because it was so harsh toward That that is my guess. But um, Harry Styles has actually said in interviews since he has no problem with somebody writing songs about him. I Good mean, for him. no, he even actually one of the old One Direction songs even had a lineup, You need somebody to write your breakup songs about, baby, I'm perfect for you. <laughs> like so, he uh, and he's made that very clear. Um, Not that anybody needs permission to release anything, but uh, I mean, that's my main thing. I'm thinking maybe she thought this was just too scathing, but uh, we do have it now. And I'm really glad because even though it's scathing, it's a great song.
1: I can't see that not being the case. This is a perfect, in my opinion, a perfect example of taking a step back, taking a deep breath, I can see where she says sister track. Of course, now, I mean, of course it's Harry. We do the blood and we do the snow here. Uh, I, I just think that this is a perfect, take a step back, take a deep breath. Let's do out of the woods and let's leave this on the cutting room floor. I love that she released this later in life. Now knowing that they they don't have bad blood because this for me is an ultimate Look back and laugh at your young self-track and be like, oh man, I and it's smart too. It's a very smart diss track, uh, for lack of better words. It's a very smart uh run lyrically. It's really well done. I'm glad she gave it to us. I hope, I hope she gets to laugh at herself on this one because it's a very good choice, in my opinion. Take the high road say what you need to say as far as getting it out there you can leave this one you know to the private archives and now we get it thank you for letting this out uh mm-hmm. cool song cool song she yeah. gave it to him she, she didn't she didn't hold any punches she, she, ah, hot tea takes she gives a little bit to herself during this you know oh, yeah. it's all these secrets and and dirty it's dirty man <laughs> it's dirty it, i'll tell you what it's not healthy it's, there, and it seems to be from that track, thank gosh, both of you got out of it and onto your own things, but hoo it's it's a, it's definitely a look back and laugh, uh, a young anger in those
0: lyrics. Yeah, um, and I actually, I don't know how true this is, I think this song might be getting sent the radio as a single because it's gotten so much attention and streams
1: i i like the song so cool i'm i'm hoping don't i just don't want people to run up on it and be like "Yeah, this is the hairy one that should have been out come on now it's actually yeah a retrospective look at yourself
0: (laughs) no it works perfectly as that because this is like this is really off the chain with all that and uh i mean come on like Oh, with man! The,
1: with with that context taken out of it, it can, it can definitely be a radio hit. It's a slick song. Yeah. I like how it's put no. together.
0: On its own, it's a great song, regardless of whether we're thinking of Harry Styles or anybody. It's a great song on its own. It's like just this wordplay. I mean, let's fast forward to 300 takeout coffees later. She said she'd <laughs> been waiting to use that, and she found love- a way to do it
1: i love it It, it, it's really well done and you know i don't usually judge the uh the vault tracks with the pacing and whatnot hardcore but this is a really cool way uh to end the album Yeah.
0: (laughs) but even if it is the single we still need say don't go to be a single just saying
1: yeah man we 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 need
0: need them both taylor we need videos for both please but um Yeah, there we have it. Is it over now? Um, There, there have been there are two other editions of this, of course. Um, there's a deluxe digital which ends with a re-recorded "Bad Blood" remix with Kendrick Lamar. So that's cool that he came back to do it again. Um, and the yeah, and the Target uh, vinyl edition, which I do have, it's on a tangerine vinyl, and it has a re-recording of. The first song that Taylor and Jack Antonoff ever did together was a movie soundtrack song called Sweeter Than Fiction. Um, I think it's a neat little song. And again, it sounds better now because they're so used to working with each other. Uh, I just think it got an upgrade. I think it's a cool, neat little track. Um, I mean, on the level of these 1989 songs, no, but a cool track and an important step because it was the first meeting of these collaborators
1: and good for her covering all the bases getting all her songs back you know even if they're gonna be only on a vinyl here or there you've re-recorded them in a taylor's version and they're yours girl and that's what this is all about and it is a huge triumph i can't say that more you know kudos to you as a musician to stick it to the man
0: (laughs) yes she is she did it with this one and uh Wow, just so insane that um, we're here. I'm so happy I so we still have this album with us all these nine years later, and it's one that just won't go away. It's a timeless album already, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Um. so with so many of these songs being new to you, yeah. what's your grade for the album?
1: Well, you speak to the timelessness of it. That's a perfect example is – even these 21 tracks with the archives and everything this album really for the majority of it was first time for me and that being said from start to finish it really is a mind-blowing album as far as knowing it was written back in 2014 and how solid it is still as a re-recorded version it is there are masterpieces on this. There, I, I use the word perfect, which is a very rare um adjective that I that I use as far as music goes. This one has tiny little fall-offs, and for me, a lot of those end up being the popular songs, but that really speaks to the power of this album and I said it before the unexpectedness of how powerful this album was going to be. I thought this was going to be a little bit flightier of an album, and it really blew me away. Uh composition, lyrical storytelling, the whole nine pacing, it ends up being another A for me. This is a really, really awesome album. I'm glad that I finally got to experience the whole thing. And uh yeah, nothing but an A for this one.
0: Yep. Uh well, because in part because of my nostalgia, I guess I got to bump that up to A+. plus. Uh, e- and even if I don't like some of these songs as much as I like the originals overall, they're still great songs. Nothing's been ruined. And uh, I we get these awesome vault tracks that I am in love with. Um, and so that just bumps it up even farther for me. So... Yeah, I'm really happy that we have this. Um, still waiting to get my uh CD and vinyl from the Taylor Swift store. I got my cassette tape version of it today, though.
1: I was gonna ask you that today. I saw that for the first time in the Spotify uh stuff, and I was like, I wonder, they got all those tracks on a cassette, huh?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing it's like a and it's even um, it's two colored too. I'm so Wow. And I got my Target vinyl yesterday. Nice, so. nice, nice. So yeah, very, this one also has like the multiple covers with the Midnights. I don't think it's all quite as cool as um the Midnights ones, which formed the clock. But uh, you know what? Go off, girl. Do your thing. I don't have yeah. money to buy all of them, but <laughs> I'm happy to have this here with us. Yeah, man. What What's your favorite song? Out of the woods. It's close Uh, to a perfect song. uh, A very good, a fantastic choice indeed. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, overall, I'm gonna go with um, for this specific version, I'm gonna say Wildest Dreams.
1: There you go. That's a good, it's a good song, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hard to go wrong here, folks. Hard to go wrong, I think, but um, yeah, with that being said, uh, we we did this uh, '80s inspired pop album, but next week, um, in honor of the Rock Hall, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, uh, we're going to celebrate a couple of those inductees, and uh, I'm deciding to go back to the '80s and one of the biggest pop albums of that decade. So next week we will be doing George Michael's Faith.
1: Talk about a timeless album. This one's this one's going back and perfect for him getting in to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I'm excited to do this one.
0: Yep, so am I. It's it's a shame that it didn't happen while he was still living. I heard. But um that <laughs> I'm still very excited to talk about faith. But yes. In the meantime, listen to 1989, but also keep the faith so we can be right here next week. Take care of yourself.
1: Peace!